We're talking sex and violence today on Script to Screen, as in House of the Devil's Ty West latest horror backed by A24. X. Mark and I discuss the elements that make this one a great watch for anyone intrigued by a premise of a porno shoot gone bloodily wrong in the heart of Texas. Remember, you can join the Boston Screenwriters Group on meetup.com and RSVP for a Screenwriters Virtual Forum. Peer reviewing scripts, giving feedback on fellow writers' work while networking with them as well. Please check out the links on our anchor.fm profile to follow us online, donate, or leave us a nice message to let us know how we're doing. We hope to see you at one of these virtual forums. Until then, enjoy the podcast. Alright, so as always, I'd like to give a welcome to screenwriters, aspiring writers, film lovers, and everybody in between to the latest episode of Script to Screen, the Boston Screenwriters Group podcast hosted by myself, J.C. Stewart, and Mark Liddell, where we come in and give screenwriter, filmmaker, and film lovers perspective on movies and shows we want to talk about. Whenever you're giving us a listen, morning, noon, or night, we hope to be a great part of your listening cues. <clears throat> I'll start out with the intros. I've been a co-organizer with Boston Screenwriters Group for over seven years, helping out the founder Deborah Sharif with the meetups, where we have any level of experienced screenwriter with their screenplays. Peer review the screenplays with other members. Sorry. I'm also a local filmmaker on the lower end of budgets, but I'm always game for coming up with movie ideas and ready to film. Now with all that settled, I'll pass it off to my good friend and uh, co-host, Mark Liddell. Hey everybody, it's Mark Liddell here again for yet another uh podcast breaking down movies which we love to do here i've been a part uh of this with uh kenyatta and and, and jc for ooh, going on i think two years now right wow time has flown and i've enjoyed every moment of it talking about movies and in some cases uh tv series or shows um gives me a chance to 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 kind of connect myself to what I wanted to do for a long time, which is make movies, but uh, that dream kind of died a while ago, but now I can be, you know, living vicariously through uh, the movies that are made and also these two gentlemen who are involved in the process of making movies also. So always great to be here. Um, so let's get it started. It started certainly, and uh, yeah, we decided, uh, you know, we don't have a full slate of panelists uh, today, but uh, luckily the two of us did see a movie uh, last month that uh, we really did want to talk about, but uh, uh, we're, we want to wait for uh, more uh, for more people to see it, but uh, we decided, hey, we'll just give our two thoughts uh, on it, I'm sure, I'm sure people want uh, as much content from us as possible, but um, anyway, yes, it is... Uh, is Ty West X, uh, just um, just X, not um, not EX or executive or anything like that. But uh, it's Ty West, a director of uh, House of the Devil a few years ago. Uh, you know, and he's done a he, he was a part of the directing trope that does the VHS sort of anthology movies, uh, very well known in sort of independent horror circles. And um, he came out with uh, this. Uh, very simple premise, but uh, with a lot of great thrills and kills and chills, everything you'd want. But uh, so uh, it's 1979 in uh, Texas, and uh, there's this uh, there's this uh, low budgeted, uh, no I heard almost say no budgeted uh, uh, porn shoot that uh, goes off to this little ranch, isolated ranch in the middle of Texas, and. Uh, it, uh, it's obvious that uh, things are not all up to uh, uh, up to code, uh, or uh, something is uh, running. Something is rotten in the state of uh, Texas. Uh, uh, well, as uh, as is normal, but um, uh, but uh, something is not quite right with this location, especially with the two sort of tenants of the of the property and. Um, Stuff goes uh, stuff goes off the wall pretty quickly. Uh, stuff goes uh, 
it gets uh, pretty uh, pretty dicey pretty fast. But uh, I'll let uh, maybe I'll I'll just let Mark give his initial thoughts on a on this little uh, nice very nice little uh, scare fest. Yeah. So the one thing I have to say, you know, right off the bat, is this movie doesn't just um, well, it's not just set in 1979. It looks every bit the part. Um, not just wardrobe, uh, cars, but it's it's something about this movie feels like it was shot in that time. I'm not sure. I'm not well versed in um, various um, cameras. I know there are some people who are in the industry who can tell you, "Oh, this is shot with this kind of camera," and blah blah blah. I can't do that, but it looks like it was shot on a camera from you know that era, early '80s, late '70s camera. Um, not sure if it's the resolution that that does it, um, but yeah, that, whoever you know um, decided to film this. Well, I know it's. Uh, Ty West, but um, whoever um, his cinematographer was understood cameras um, and how to shoot for a certain period um, to take us out of the realm of film for a second. Uh, for those people who really dig, um, I use the word dig because it fits in this situation, folks really dig uh, like Silk Sonic. This is the Silk Sonic of movies and that it's, it's it, Silk Sonic uses certain microphones to sound as if it is late 70s, early 80s. This movie is shot as if it's late 70s, early 80s, and you can feel it, almost taste it, it's palatable, um, that this is of that era. So that, off the bat, when they, they do this, from the very first moments of the film, you know that you're in for a treat, um, where the very first shot is framed of um, the farmhouse itself, and you realize you're looking from another structure into um, what is a crime scene. Um, perfectly kind of framed and shot and it feels like you're back looking at um last house on the left or texas chainsaw massacre or something of that era um they've really got all the beats uh of that um at the same time able to have a certain type of pacing that that lets you know that it's still somewhat contemporary but still it feels um ancient the ancient 70s early 80s right so that my first impression was wow i'm in for a treat and i wasn't sure in the first few moments after looking at um the the sheriff and the, the other deputies there whether this is going to go the route of straight horror or have some comedic uh, elements to it um i'll tell you the, the comedy is is limited to a number of puns that kind of happen when they're filming the the porn movie and i think at times the way that the um makeup is on some of the older characters Part of me wonders if that is intentionally kind of, I wouldn't say sloppily done, but I, I can tell right off the bat that these individuals um, were not of the age they were supposed to be, almost like Midnight Mass, kind of was good at doing that earlier last year. So um, yeah, from makeup to the shot, um, to the, all the beats, they got it right. That was my first impression. I'm in for a treat. Yeah, certainly. As I was uh, saying to Mark earlier, yeah, this is the best time I've had a, at a movie in a theater uh, since, uh, you know, since COVID, since lockdown and, and all that. Uh, yeah, this is definitely a movie you want to see with as many people, whether you're comfortable with that or you're comfortable just watching it with uh, some uh, some friends or having a couple of drinks over. This is the perfect movie for it. Like this was perfectly designed for group watching. Um, I mean, there's, uh, this is, this is that horror movie. This isn't, you know, sort of, I don't know, uh, we did master last week. That's much more 
that is that, that's a much more different type of uh, sort of horror as we kind of discussed. Uh, this is just your fun, uh, just uh, you're you're screaming at the screen, wanting the characters not to go in that uh, not to go in that basement, not to go down that hallway, uh, you know, not to go out at night, you know, in your skivvies or, or something. Like you're just wanting characters to be smarter than that, but at the same time, it not it doesn't take a detract from it. You're almost being involved in the situation. Again, that's a very hard balance to. Uh, to master, and I, I think Ty West, you know, uh, you know, horror filmmaker for like the last uh, fifteen or ten years or so, like he definitely knows, understands that balance where you you want your audience sort of like to be. Uh, uh, to be sort of just uh, attacking the screen and just uh, uh, you know asking why why are the characters doing all this, but at the same time, they're the audience is involved with uh, you know all the action and all the thrills and all the kills and everything, um, you know. And he takes a simple premise, I think, as about as far as you can. Like this is yeah, the, uh, just a uh, no budget porn shoot in the middle of Texas uh, turns into just a killing spree. I think that's you know that's your one liner that uh, sort of. Uh, uh, is your through line throughout the entire fiction. They make them, they do wonders with it. Uh, yeah, this, uh, yeah, this was one of my best time I've had in a theater in, uh, quite a, in the last two years. Right, you said this is definitely a group watch. I can see folks gathering around the TV Halloween time to watch this. I'm sure um, it'll be ready for streaming uh, by then, certainly well before then, given the way that the industry works now. Um, just make sure in that group watching your grandparents aren't there because uh, this film, um, does kind of simulate uh, 70s era uh, X-rated movies. And I would say if this movie were released, then it might get something higher than an R rating. It might be an X rating because of um, some of the sexual content in it, even though they don't show body parts necessarily. Um, they do show activity, which I'm sure um, in the 1970s would be deemed like, no, we're not having this. Um, but yeah, so great um, time with this film. And I, I, it's funny, cause I, I, sometimes you'll see um, characters when they're first introduced, um, there's a certain scene where we're being introduced to the folks who are making the movie, who are on their kind of quest to make this film. And one of the actresses they show um, is wearing sunglasses, and little else. And I wouldn't have known that, you know, she was this person from like a um, TV show, mainstream TV show from the aughts, early aughts. Um, and she's also uh, a member of uh, the uh, Pitch Perfect crew, I'm talking about Brittany Snow, who plays, um, I guess, the lead or the main X-rated uh, star in this. And initially when they show her, I wouldn't have guessed that was her because, but they showed a close up of her face. Oh, that's her from, from, um, oh, was that show on, the, on NBC from the early aughts that she was on American Girl, American something, but she's, you know, playing um, the girl next door. And I think this is a chance for her to shed that image. And she's got kind of that girl next door-ish kind of image, I think with Pitch Perfect too, kind of a, um, uh, I guess, not snooty, but more pure. And I think this is a way for her to kind of get rid of that image. I can see her agent telling her to do this role. Um, also in this film uh, is someone I, who I've not associated with acting at all, um, but he has a producer credit and he's been known for music and that is uh, Kid Cudi, 
um, who also plays uh, part of the the, uh, the, the X-rated uh, crew, um, and plays I guess the the lone well no the sheriff also the person of color uh, the sheriff and Kid Cudi are also in this movie who do both do great jobs uh, with their characters. He has you know um, some lines in there, some puns that I mentioned before. They're somewhat you know humorous, and he seems like a natural. Um, at this, he's not going to win an Academy Award, but I don't often think of people who are in, in the realm of music um, being great actors, even good for that matter. Take several, you know, um, projects before they kind of get their, their their rhythm going. But it seems like he does a great job here. I don't know how much work he's had in other films, but I appreciated his work. Um, and um, there's also Mia Goth does a f fantastic job in a dual role uh, in this um, movie. You can try to figure out which two roles she plays. It'd be fairly obvious, not that many parts in this movie, um, but she does a wonderful job as well. So great job with the casting, um, great job with the shoestring budget to make a compelling um, I'm guessing shoestring budget. The, certainly, the, the X-rated film is shoestring budget, and this movie seems like it's not on the larger end of budgets, but they do they do the most with, with the very little they they they, they do have um, with this movie. Um, again, this is an A24 movie, right? I think yeah. So A24, uh, they tend to be a little bit off kilter, a little bit different, um, and this one. Um, was a pleasant surprise for me. I had no idea what to expect, but A24 horror usually, you know, hits a little bit differently, whether you like them or not. Um, I appreciate, of course, Hereditary. Um, I know a lot of folks love um, The Witch. I was not a huge fan of that one, but, you know, in Midsummer, I think was like Wicker Man, but uh, derivative, but but um, still, I still appreciated it. So again, excited to see this movie. Great job of casting uh, in this one and use of the, the the budget they did have at their disposal. Right. Uh, yeah. So this is um, yeah. You you went over sort of the the, the cast and um, uh, yeah. Everyone here, you know, from you know well known, fairly well known, uh, like our Brittany Snow and uh, Mia Goth to sort of the less known, like uh, Martin Henderson, uh, Kit Cuddy, and uh, Jenny Ortega. Um, yeah. Yeah. Again, uh, not a huge cast. Uh, of course, uh, we, we get a few sort of. Um, uh, we can see other players that come in. Uh, there's a uh, there's a uh, great role. There's a great televangelist role. It's a um, it's a, it's a, he's always on the TV and he's uh, you know doing the whole televangelist spiel. That uh, I just assumed it was some recording from you know the the late 70s. You know just from but uh, no, it's actually it is actually a performance from and I should have realized that because there's there's a reveal at the end of of, of the whole of the whole spiel uh but uh there's yeah there's uh, the sheriff character and then there's uh yeah there's um there's a host of other sort of uh, people that add to sort of the flavor of what's going on besides the main principal cast uh but uh i yeah, as you said, sort of A24 sort of uh, does its own thing with horror. You know, it's almost its own genre onto its own now in terms in the film circles. You know, A24 horror is sort of like a, a buzzword now. 
Uh, you mentioned a few of the previous efforts. Uh, yeah, this is, uh, but I, I mean, I, I said at the top, this is a very fun watch, a very fun group watch to have with your friends, you know, knock back a few beers or other stronger substances. But uh, I think there's, there's, there is some things you can read into sort of uh, here with um, in terms of the depictions of violence and sex that uh, have always plagued the, you know, the film industry, you know, since you know, since the very beginnings of it, uh, and especially, you know, from the Hayes Code all the way to the MPAA to all the way to now, like uh, where, uh, you know, violence is sort of, you know, you have free range to show whatever the hell you want in an R-rated movie or, uh, but uh, sex is sort of like the hard line that is drawn for the, uh, in terms of the MPAA sort of uh, sensibilities, uh, no depictions of, you know, lust or, you know, desire, you know, that's, you know, that's the hard line in here. Uh, Ty West is sort of playing with that, you know, here there's both uh, sex and violence going on. Um, but the, yeah, that, there's a sort of so the stuff you can definitely read into that in terms of, you know, the very uneven egregiously uh, egregious sort of line that we draw between sex and violence, the way we depict it, uh, you know, in our media. Interesting, you know, you can show all the violence you want, but recreation or recreation, you off limits, <laughs> it's like you can create, you can, you can kill human beings, you can't create them uh, <laughs> on film. Uh, you mentioned Jenna Ortega. Yeah, I, I sorry for, for not including her. Actually, believe it or not, this movie came out last month, month right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so this, is, this came out in March. By March, she had been in three horror movies uh, of 2022. Um, she's kind of working her way into becoming, I guess, the next Scream Queen, I guess. She was, of course, in Scream, um, the newer version of, of Scream, uh, as well as the Foo Fighters horror movie, uh, Studio 666, which came out, um, I think, in the same month as, as, um, as this movie, in March, I believe. Uh, and then there's X. So I don't know what she has on her upper sleeve next, but um, she's got three horror titles in three months. Um, that's a crazy pace. And she ends up being, I think, um, in this movie, because of what is kind of depicted as, I would say, her um, innocence. She, I think she ends up being the, the, the audience's kind of avatar. She's the person um, who I think most audience members see themselves as. She doesn't seem to be twisted in any way, um, doesn't seem to be, um, um, I guess, um, sullied or, 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 or tainted in, in some way going into this movie. Uh, and, and as you're working your way through the film, um, the choices that she does make, I think the audience um, is invested in those choices because they see themselves in her in, in many ways. Um, being the innocent one. So they do a great job of, of using her innocence. And she, you know, appears to be extremely young too, to affect. I remember watching Scream, the very first scene of that movie, when she's in the opening, you know, and she's talking on the phone. And I'm like, okay, this is like a 13 or 14 year old kid. She, she looks extremely young. And I remember going to like IMDb after watching the movie to say, is this a 13 year old kid or she had a 20 year old <laughs> because her friends in that movie were like 19, 20 years old. It's like, Hmm. So yeah, she's, she's an adult, but they, they play, you know, they use her innocent look to great effect uh, in this movie and she's able to play it up. I'm sure she's got much practice at doing that. That, that, that really is what allows her to be this kind of new age scream queen, because you're looking at someone who you might think is a child in peril, but she's really an adult.
Yeah, she is. Uh, she's been busy this uh, first half of uh, 2022. Uh, yeah, all the movies you said and the following on HBO Max, which I haven't got to. But yeah, she does a great job here with sort of, uh, you know, the uh, sort of, uh, I don't know, loss of innocence character, if you will, that uh, is sort of, you know, she, she comes in. She's, uh, you know, uh, very soft spoken and she I believe she's wearing a cross. I don't but I don't remember for sure. But uh, she does uh, say uh, some stuff about uh, her beliefs and her faith and uh, guiding her and, and what I don't. Yeah. I, I, so, of course, uh, there's a very obvious sort of uh, but to give a uh, she eventually, you know, uh, is very interested in becoming more and more of a part of this, uh, you know, uh, X-rated movie, uh, this porn flick, um, and that uh, goes against sort of like her boyfriend, uh, this very, I don't know, uh, this very just uh, artsy sort of uh, cinematographer, uh, RJ, played by Owen Campbell, does a great job here, sort of like that very sort of... Um, you know, film student sort of level of, uh, well, you know, yeah, this is kind of, you know, this is smut, but at least I'm going to put, I'm going to make this art. Like I'm going to, you know, quote unquote art. I'm going to make this high art. I'm going to make, I'm going to make a main name for myself, uh, you know, doing this. And, uh, you know, that sort of runs of, you know, that runs afoul with, but when uh, his girlfriend who we, you know, sort of uh, sees as this sort of, uh, you know, beacon of innocence or what have you or something like that. Uh, when she decides that she wants to be a part of this, you know, she wants to have a scene with uh, uh, Kid Cudi and uh, and uh, sort of um, uh, make her name that way. Uh, that's, that's sort of like the line he draws, you know, in, in, but, uh, in, you know, he, he just can't take it anymore and he runs off and he becomes the first kill of the night. Uh, so, yeah, there's, there's definitely something uh, uh, there in terms of the, uh, in terms of the sort of the the power dynamics going on, and to, yeah, you get you really get an idea of sort of like how this crew sort of has worked together, you know, and how they brought on new people. Uh, it's really lived in quality here. It's not just you know, well, let's just grab people off the street, and it, you really feel like these people have worked together. Are the people that you know the the Jenny Ortega character who probably just came on just because her boyfriend is you know uh, filming it and just wants to help out? You get the idea of that. So yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff going on here. Like in the back, you know, if you read it, you want if you want to read into. Yeah, you, you mentioned uh, Jenna Ortega's um, boyfriend again. Jenna Ortega's name in the movie is Lorraine. The boyfriend is RJ, and RJ, I think, uh, as you kind of suggested. Um, is not just trying to make an X-rated movie. He, he, he sees himself as being a talented filmmaker. And, and because of that, and because of some of the lines he does say in the movie, it seems as if this is for him, um, his entree into film, the stepping stone. I think he would, would want to make maybe one or two of these types of movies, make a name for himself, maybe get some some cash to, to make um, a quote unquote legit, you know, movie. Whereas the, the person who, um, it's kind of set himself up as the the kind of ringleader of this crew. Wayne, played by Martin Henderson, um, is somebody who has a relationship, it seems, with uh, the strip club. I don't know if he owns a strip club where the, the strippers come from, but I think he's in f- to make money, yes, but also to make a career out of making smut. A totally different investment <clears throat> in this project. Um, and throughout the whole movie, you know, at least up until a point, you know, RJ is still clinging to this idea that he's making this um, uh, artfully and tastefully done uh, X-rated movie until he comes to a point where he, re- where he realizes he has to be honest with himself about what he's actually doing and the impact um, the movie might have on people um, without giving away too much information. And then also at that point, then the the difference, differences um, in motivations are 
crystal clear between um, RJ and Wayne. They have a conversation about um, what they want to do. Um, so it's not just a matter of their intentions. The pecking order is clear. Um, and at that moment, RJ seems to be somewhat conflicted, which, you know, you think about horror movies, people in those movies often go their own kind of directions and they're attacked by the specter or the Jason or the Fred, whatever it is. By these two having a rift, RJ and Wayne is taking the, the male characters and in horror movies, males are seen as the protectors. It's, it's, it's put a rift between those two characters uh, and uh, in some cases with a significant other of one of the people. So there's, there's a, a splintering of the group um, emotionally, they're less cohesive, they're less a unit which kind of opens them up to um, the actual terror that, that is to come. Right. I mean, uh, and again, it goes to the old sort of tried and true tropes of these sort of, of these slasher movies that, uh, you know, you can probably tell who's going to get off. You know, you can probably almost tell the picking order of what's who's going to get off first, you know, and who's going to be, you know, the final girl at the end. Uh, but um, uh, no, I, again, the filmmakers sort of, uh, you know, play around with that. Um they, uh, they, they, you know, they play around with it in terms of sort of like how funny some of these kills are and some, you know, are a lot more, some are a lot more, you know, visceral and some are a lot more, you know, dramatic. Um, they, 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 so they play around with that space a little bit. Um, and, uh, there, there, and as I mentioned, you know, there, there's definitely a, um, Ty West wants you sort of thinking about, and I, I always, from my point of view, he wants you to sort of think about sort of the egregious sort of uneven depictions of how we de display, you know, sexual desires and sex on screen versus, you know, uh, violence on screen. Uh, but it's interesting, we see, you know, in graphic detail, a lot of these kills, except for one, except for the, uh, when um, Kid, uh, Kid Cundy's character is, uh, is out and about, and then, um, uh, is obviously going to get off, like completely 100% is going, but um, then uh, the uh, the old the older gentleman who is uh, who's on, was on the range uh, has a shotgun and you, you I mean, you can see where this is going, like you can almost, but uh, uh, it's interesting, they pull away right at the, last, they, they almost like spare us like that little, and it's, there's, there's maybe something to read into in terms of our um uh, uh of racial violence and, and a lot but uh yeah it's interesting the different types of sort of uh, ways they play the kills they play the you know they, they play the notes but they play them sort of differently and it's a it's very there's there's i think there's quite a bit to read into that especially with that sort of uh little we get a little uh there's there's a little reprieve in terms of the, the violence on screen and with that particular it's a it's just something i noticed yeah on top of that, I just think I'm just thinking about the many uh, films where, you know, the state of Texas itself ends up being a character, right? I mean, because it's got a unique quality to it. It's it's a state that's, you know, it's vast. It's it's open. Um, you, 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 it's and they're using that to affect a, a, a ranch. Um, they're in a rural um, kind of. I even call it a community, a rural area. Um, and just looking at um, the role of one of the first characters we see in the movie, the sheriff, that sheriff, um, again, it, it's hard to, 
put my finger on it, but I can't say the guy, the guy who plays the sheriff does a great job or a poor one because this is just such a type. Now you think about this movie, a lot of horror movies have the, the, the cowboy hat wearing sheriff in recent, um, um, Halloween movies are the uh, black sheriff with the cowboy hat on. Obviously, there's um, from Dust Till Dawn, you know, a Texas sheriff. Now, of course, uh, Halloween's not set in Texas, but nonetheless, there's a cowboy hat wearing sheriff in that movie. Um, and there's this kind of slow and easy and kind of methodical way they go about their business. So this is a type, right? So there's a certain level of, of shorthand with the type. Now, what that does is it sets up um, expectations because, oh, this is a movie that this has types, these certain types, these movies, there's the porn actress type, there's the money grubbing kind of pimp slash boyfriend kind of, we don't know what he is, um, to this woman type. There's a stereotypical, you know, um, I guess lustful, I guess black male who's gonna play a porn star type. And then what defies all of that is when we get introduced to um, two characters who you don't expect to be in the roles that they are to, to carry out the um, um, roles in this movie that they do, right? So because they've had these types put in front of you early on, you're expecting a continuation of that. When they break from that, it makes it all the more, you know, um, shocking, although you can sense the creepiness around them. Um, for myself, I was thinking that there could be, and I didn't see any other previews. I was thinking there could be um, something happening, something goes awry with the, the crew and or something. I don't know, but I'm not going to give away what happens in the movie. But um, because there's a, this kind of consistent adherence to type, when it's broken, it, 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 it's to great effect. Yeah, they play around. I mean, yeah, just like you said, like uh, we introduced these characters and you think you you have a good read on all on all these uh, on all these types in, you know, from, uh, you know, Maxine is the stripper that just, well, you know, wants to be a star and, you know, the, the, this is the way and, uh, you know, Brittany Snow's character is, you know, the is that star is that, you know, the uh, or that star in the making that uh, is just waiting for the big break. And, uh, you know, uh, Martin is this. Yeah, that pimp filmmaker who's just uh, you know trying to get the you know small on screen no matter what uh, you know regardless of um re regardless of the budget and regardless of the talent that he actually has uh and all the others that you know sort of play into types but uh they sort of uh go against that you know we get a scene <laughs> we, we get a musical scene in the middle of this little horror movie uh with um yeah, the, the um who was it the play plays the guitar was it uh was it, was it Jackson or was it? I think it was Jackson that plays the guitar, right? Kid Cudi. Cudi. Yeah, Kid yes, Cudi. Yes, well, yes. because he's Jackson. He's, yes. Yeah, he's the recording. He's the recording artist, of course. That he'd have a a musical bit in the middle of this, uh, you know, and we get uh, sort of um, the um, the group sort of like talking about and talking about you know sort of uh, what constitutes you know smut and what constitutes you know art, you know, and that's uh, you know that's another probably uh, dynamic that's going on, you know, what constitutes you know art, quote unquote. Uh, you know what's really and what's just you know there for you know, um, but what's there just to be sort of um, for uh, you know people to do their business and uh, just to have something playing on it, but um, 
yeah there's uh there, there's def there, there's of course uh yeah again just very well done just uh yeah, you, yeah like you think all these people are just the types you read them like you read them as a book like in the beginning but then they they go against that there's a little bit more to them you know as as in real life you know you try to fit people into labels and you know uh, categories and whatnot but you know most people are are not either of which and most people you know cross categorize and you know are different things to different people so yeah i I, it's funny and we didn't mention this yet but um this movie of course came out last month in in march and and what we do know is that there'll be a sequel and it's not going to take too long to get the the screens i'm imagining they shot both at the same time uh cut costs um and it's expected at some point over this summer um which um, is amazing because I, I really enjoyed uh, this movie. Of course, the, the character of Pearl—that's that's the name of the, the next movie—is Pearl. Um, it's a prequel, supposedly. Um, Pearl has to be the envy of all the um, retirement homes, um, not not for her her. Um... See, I'm going to give it away. Yeah, not for her. <laughs> It's fine, Mark. It's fine. I mean, we yeah, we've already yeah. I mean, we've already yeah. We're doing a full review here, so yeah, we might as well. Okay, so yeah. not for her murderous spree, but for for what's still in the tank in terms of you know her libido. Um, so this is, um, in many ways, um, playing against the Hollywood type, saying that you know having uh, amorous feelings is limited to people of the age of Lorraine uh, and Maxine, these these 20 somethings, or in some cases like Maxine, early 30s somethings. Um, and it's saying, you know, we have these kind of inclinations too. And it, it, it um, so that way it kind of breaks type as well. You don't expect that um, from Maxine, I'm sorry, from um, Pearl, but you wouldn't expect it from Maxine or Lorraine. Right. I mean, this is, uh, you know, we, we met, yeah, I think Mark has mentioned, this is sort of your movie, mi- the movie mix for this is sort of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, a little bit of Psycho and a little bit of The Visit, uh, you know, M. Night Shyamalan's The Visit. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's a movie mix for anybody. I, <laughs> that covers a lot of uh, covers a lot of different types of horror and a little different, different, different types of genres. But, um, yeah, I, as, I, as I'm just glancing over to the IMDb page, I, I noticed that the filming location is actually New Zealand. So New Zealand doubling for Texas uh, is uh, you know, obviously New Zealand has a thriving um, sort of uh, film industry because of the Lord of the Rings, Peter Jackson's uh, influence, and uh, you know all the way to Taika Waititi. Uh, but uh, that's interesting. Yeah, it, it, that uh, that is actually the case. That um, it, you know during production of this, uh, they had to lock down due to the pandemic, and then uh, Ty West started writing uh, the prequel to this, and then he asked uh, Mia Goth to stay a little bit longer to you know film a little bit more, maybe even do a full, and they ended up doing a full movie, which is uh, the teaser you get at the end of the very last uh, bit of the credits for this if you want to stay uh it doesn't give away a lot it does it's just basically an announcement that the others that we made a prequel for this uh you know uh yeah please uh yeah please check us out later in the summer um so yeah you know we talked we've talked about this time and again you know movies need good marketing strategy and i think that's definitely that's definitely a route we'll see how successful it is uh you know to sort of uh have this uh to, to not have a huge announcement about, you know, this huge lineup, oh, we're going to have, you know, um, 
here's the date when we're going to have, you know, the next Dr. Strange Here's the date when we're going to have the next, uh, you know, the Spider-Man or what have you. Uh, but we're going to announce it at the, at the last bit of the end credits of this movie. Uh, yeah, that, that's a very, that's a good, that's a good way of, uh, you know, especially for this type of movie, you know uh, yeah, it's a nice little surprise and it definitely get people talking at least the people that uh, stick around and that, that are, are interested in uh, seeing more from this. Yeah, there's a lot that can be learned, I think, um, by watching this movie, because, again, as you both mentioned, this is um, a great time uh, watching this movie. It, it, it's something to watch with a group. But I've seen over the last, I don't know how many years, because I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a huge horror fan. I've seen a lot of bad horror movies, and I've seen a lot of bad horror movies that have tried to um, incorporate a lot of special effects, uh, digital effects, um, had huge budgets and huge stars. You don't need any of that stuff to have a quality movie. Um, and especially if you're talking about horror, you, you can you know set mood and tone. You, you can um, create an atmosphere that's creepy. You, you can do all kinds of things without having to spend tons of money. And I, and I think that this is one of those films you can watch and figure out well, how they do it. And, you know, I'm sure some folks will make this um, movie again as, as being a derivative kind of film, but this is derivative as, I mentioned, derivative, as I mentioned before, of the other movies from the late 70s, early 80s. Um, but this is, in my opinion, masterfully done because it's able to have great pacing, story, the 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 moodiness and kind of the, the, the eeriness is, is um, on not a metronome, but it happens with the frequency enough that you're, you're still into it. You don't have this dry, you know, moments where you forget this is supposed to be a horror movie because there's too much comedy in it or something like that. Some movies get confused as to what they are. Um, this doesn't, it knows exactly what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to creep you out. It's supposed to make you um, sit on the edge of your seat and wonder what's gonna happen next. Um, have moments relatively early on where characters are going to different environments, uh, a lake or what have you, and having a, a situation that, that could have been um, perilous at, at that location. Um, yeah, so it, it does all of that well. And I'm just always envious of those who can use a small budget and understand the elements of making a good film. And they, they do that. And if you go through Shutter or you go through Netflix or Amazon Prime, it is littered with horrible horror movies that don't understand these elements or, or can't execute them one or the other, I don't know. But this one does it to great effect. Um, please, people who are making movies, learn from this one, how you can make a great movie without having to invest a lot in special effects. I don't even know to what degree there was special effects other than like uh, blood um, and you know makeup effects on, on characters. Um, if there were digital effects, I didn't recognize them. They didn't stand out at all. Um, it just seemed like a really well put together move with some practical effects in terms of makeup. And that, that's really it. Um, being kind of isolated in the place that they were um, with the people who were there who were causing problems um, and the inability to, to leave or the timing of people realizing they were in danger um, kind of all really allowed this to work. It's not one of those things where um, you're at Camp Crystal Lake and you know something wrong is happening 
um, but you just don't leave or you're trying to, instead of run from Michael Myers, trying to hunt him down. No, when people are killed in this, it's that's when they realize, uh oh, that's the moment. Um, it's not I'm gonna go investigate because I know that so-and-so is dead. No, done really well. Um, big thumbs up to, to Ty West. Yeah, Ty West, uh, hopefully, you know, offers some sort of masterclass, uh, you know, just sort of indie filmmakers. Yeah, definitely take notes. Uh, yeah, especially, just as Mark said, yeah, especially if you're just starting out, you know, you have a crew together. Uh, yeah, take notes on this. Uh, yeah, because they may, they stretch whatever budget uh, that they had. Uh, they made it definitely work. And, you know, yeah, it has the backing of A24, very well-regarded uh, distribution company. Uh, but um, by and large, they keep the yeah they the uh, they keep the effect uh, you know special effects work subtle or at least uh, very um very very uh, germane to the um uh, to the to the genre it's not overly done there's a lot of great uh, uh I, I assume a lot of great uh, sort of uh, the, um uh, makeup and uh, prosthetic work uh, done here um and I also go uh, you know i won't go too much of it but uh, there's a lot of good setups and payoffs you know in terms of writing there's a lot of good setups and payoffs you know um there's um you know early on we get the there's a great scene of tension where uh, mia goth is swimming in a lake you see and you get the overhead shot and then you see just the alligator just swimming you know perilously close to her uh she doesn't notice it then she's swimming back to the you know doc a la jaws uh, very, you know, this, so there's a Jaws homage too, and you're just waiting, 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 and then it doesn't happen. And then we go, uh, you know, fast forward all the way to near the end with, uh, you know, Brittany Snow. She gets thrown into the lake by the uh, um, by Pearl, and then you just you just know instantly, okay, well, this is how she's going to go out. And then sure enough, the alligator comes back. Uh, you know, set up payoffs. Uh, you know, that's just a very simple. It's a very simple thing that a, that a lot of scripts forget. Set up like what this thing is. Uh, you know, you just put it, just plant this thing in your audience's mind that, hey, listen, this is something important. This we're going to come back to this. And so when the moment that uh, 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 Brittany Snow's character gets it, it's not sort of like this cheap jump scare. It's like it was set up in the beginning. Uh, so yeah, there's there's uh, there's something for you for your writers out there. And with that initial setup, though, it, it's not just. Um, the overhead shot with the alligators, the overhead shot with the alligator. And prior to that, you know that there's somebody in the background. It's like she's being sandwiched in, right? There, there's the alligator on, on one side and there's something else over there on the other side. I'm not quite sure. I've forgotten whether they've made it clear as to who or what that was, although I know what, who it was now. But at the time, I think it was kind of blurry or in the shadow, out of focus, um, you could be it kind of hinted at who it was, but it could have been it could have had a, a relative or who knows who was you know at that that house right so um, it's her being sandwiched in one the alligator coming on the right side from the aerial view and the other thing somewhere off in the distance on the left and will she meet her fate by or through one of those two uh, in that moment. Um, as you already told him, like in that moment, no, it doesn't happen. But um, just the idea, because you're watching it, you don't you don't know what's going to happen. I mean, this is a horror movie. Someone can die uh, early on um, and by a person's hand or by alligator. <laughs> Man versus nature. Another thing that maybe is a little touched upon there. 
yeah, again, yeah. Uh, there's, I, I don't know how much more ways than one, right? More ways than one, more ways than one. Yeah, no. Well, you know, and uh, yeah, you know, it touches on you know sort of our carnal nature and and all that. I mean, you can read into what you may about that, uh, but yeah, I, I don't know how much more we want about the. But I just really want people to see this. Like, uh, you know, I, I hate spoiling stuff, but hey, you know, uh, I really wanted to talk about this, but uh, hopefully this wasn't too spoiled for you, and you're just uh, listening to us after you've watched it. Uh, you know, hopefully it's hit streaming somewhere where you are. Uh, or it's still playing. Um, I know it's still playing uh, somewhere in Cambridge. So yeah, I mean, that that's good for the Cambridge crowd. Um, yeah, I definitely want people to just see this, you know, even if, well, like, okay, if you're not a horror fan, you're just, you know, you're just completely a just, uh, you know, uh, a ball of nerves while watching these sort of movies. Okay, fine. I, I guess you, you're excused. But for any other, yeah, as we pointed out, for any sort of uh starting a filmmaker or any film student yeah please watch this and you know again take notes you know just how these simple things you know very simple premise like one line premise you know again uh the no budgeted uh porn shoot uh, you know turns into a murderous killing spree uh there's your one line sort of log line for your for your story and your script uh, but they do that. They take that to they play around with the notes. They play around with the kills. They play around with a lot of other stuff. They play around with the setting in order to make you, you know, give you a nice little cinematic package of this uh, very, very, very well done. Um, the, the good, good time at the uh, good time at the movies. Well, I, I it's funny because I saw this movie. I think it was the week after. Maybe it might have been two weeks after seeing the Batman. Right. And you think about the, there's the contrast in terms of budget, stars, expectations, uh, special effects. And I think, as you mentioned before, this is as good a time as you can have the theater. Um, I really did enjoy the Batman. But pound for pound or dollar for dollar, right? <laughs> I enjoyed I enjoyed this more, right? If you're talking about how much it was invested in both movies, like you got much more bang for your buck if you're making this movie, um, if you are the creators of, of X, right? This is not a known property. This is not coming out of a comic book. This is not something that is a guaranteed built-in audience. Um, I'm not sure how it's done at the box office, but... Um, I, this is this is really this is not a Bloomhouse production, A24, but this is what allowed Blumhouse to, to do what it, it does. This is not a Blumhouse, but you invest a small budget into a horror movie. Uh, in some cases, with Blumhouse, it's quality. In some cases, it's not. But they realize that horror is a incredibly profitable um, genre of movie. Um, I would imagine that this is more profitable um, percentage-wise than the Batman is, right? The Batman might've been cost, what, $300, $400 million to make the movie and then promote it as well. Um, probably half a billion dollars to promote and, and make that movie. It might make, over, over the course of its run, what, a billion and a half? I don't know, globally. Um, so you make three, you know, three to one, whatever, you know, three, $3 for every $1 you spend. I'm guessing this is going to make more than three, three to one on the profit margins on this one. So um, yeah, pound for pound, dollar for dollar, better uh, movie in terms of making money. And for me, a better um, unexpected uh, experience. 
Yeah, I mean, this has definitely been a good first half for movies. In my book, I'll, for 2022, very solid. You know, all the way, you know, we have the Batman, we have Master. Um, we have, we have, anyway, we have this, like, sort of, uh, yeah, nice. And there's a lot of other stuff to look forward to, uh, also. So, yeah, good first half of 2022 so far. And, yeah, uh, so according to IMDb, there's the, the uh, gross was about, is uh, going right up against 11 million right now. Um, I don't know if they've, yeah. updated, they've updated it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it depends. I mean, it depends on, you know, again, the budget uh, for it. But, um, uh, again, I, you know, I talked about the sort of the sensibilities of, you know, our MPA and, uh, you know, here, of course, other countries have, uh, you know, similar sort of even more probably restrictive sort of things on what you can show in terms of sex and violence. Uh, so, yeah, probably this would be a hard one to sell to other countries, say, in the Middle East and, you know, China or Asia. Uh, yeah, this would be, yeah, this is sort of uh, much more American centric, if you will. There's, yeah, there's a lot of iconography that maybe won't play as well, you know, worldwide. So, yeah, this is pretty much probably dependent on what it does, you know, here in the state stateside. And maybe because they did seemingly shoot two movies at one time or just back to back um, and cut cost that way. Um, this is just like maybe the appetizer, maybe because a lot of folks might not have hit the theater to see this, maybe they will get an opportunity before the summer hits to see it via streaming, which will be advertisement for Pearl, which might end up being much more profitable. I, I, I thoroughly believe anybody who enjoys seeing horror will enjoy seeing this movie. Um, it's just too bad that um, it hasn't gotten enough butts in the seats. Um, that's my opinion. Um, Certainly, it, it's worthy of you know a gross much higher than that. And I'm thinking that they're they're banking on this being again the preview or the appetizer for the second one. Hopefully, it'll be much bigger uh, film. Right, right. Uh, yeah, this will do fantastic. Uh, and you know, everybody streaming sort of picks it up. You know, eight two four I think has to deal with Hulu, I believe. So yeah, this will do as soon as it hits Hulu, I, I'm sure this will get more word of mouth and this will get uh def- it will help definitely help out the prequel at least. So maybe the prequel will be a better return on investment. Again, that 11 million, it really does depend. My guess is this is probably mm, maybe maybe five million total budget mm-hmm. i mean again there weren't huge stars I mean, britney snow is probably the biggest name uh uh in the in terms of uh in terms of acting talent and not but, a, really uh, a movie star you know at all right but, right exactly you know. i mean kick cut Cuddy, I, I i guess is also yeah he will executive producer so yeah i got a bigger big name in the music world but uh uh yeah it really does depend you know yeah and if it did double its budget yeah that's pretty decent uh for something like this again uh it really does depending on what it does state side so yeah uh, we'll, we'll see yeah we'll see is that our final word or do we want to... yeah i think that's that's it that's 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 okay. praises enough but yeah mm-hmm. go see the movie comes out in a month mm-hmm. or so probably mm-hmm. yeah we hope you enjoyed our thoughts on this good old-fashioned slasher that has some new beats to play next time up we're talking about what streamable shows we are enjoying 
feel free to leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts and other platforms. You can support this podcast and the Screenwriters Group with a monthly donation by clicking the support button at anchor.fm. You can join Kenyatta and I at our virtual screenwriters forums by RSVPing either on meetup.com and or Facebook. Subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our forum recordings and other videos. Links are in the description. We wish you all the best in your writing and other life's pursuits. Get vaxxed, stay masked, and be safe out there. Thank you.